Okay, so you know what we're talking about this episode. The Pac-12 canceling the season after the Big Ten cancels its season. Why did the Pac-12 cancel? What was the leadership doing for the last five months? Ray Anderson said, what? About Pac-12 players. Will the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 continue to play football? This is a college football funeral. And we have to talk about our ratings and emails as well. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amston. And this is the Pac-12 Apostles. Thank you guys for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles podcast. I know that these are dark times. But we still need some light. So can you please leave us a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts or as Ralph would tell you, whatever you feel like the podcast is worth, leave us that um, and share with a friend. Tell a friend about the Pac-12 Apostles. And if you want to get a hold of us, leave an email. I'm Matt, I-M-M-A-D at unafraidshow.com. And this week is probably more appropriate than any other week. This is the Pac-12 Apostles, the podcast for Pac-12 fans by Pac-12 fans where we keep it 100 about everything. And this is the perfect time to do that. Don't forget, we are still giving away for the next six weeks, two $50 Amazon gift cards. All you have to do is leave a five-star rate. Well, leave any rating and tweet it out and tag the unafraid show and the Pac-12 apostles and you will be entered. So Ralph, um, when we talked about what we were going to talk about on the podcast today, you said it was a Pac-12 funeral. So I'll just give you the floor because you are normally not speechless ever. And we were on the phone and you just, I was talking and you just weren't responding. And our, I guess, emotional state about this is completely different. So tell the people how you're feeling right now, Ralph. I'm pissed. What what do you, what do you want me to say? I don't I don't know how to feel. I, I, I feel like I just I've been in a tunnel all day long since the news dropped and we knew it was coming. So it's not like there's a surprise. But at the same time, I mean what do you want me to say? I'm 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 grieving the season. I'm pissed for a lot of the kids who were uh, seniors, redshirt seniors who might be done. And, uh, I'm definitely, uh, upset for a lot of my friends who work in this business who had either lost their job and, and were hoping that there was going to be a season, which might create uh, a possibility for some more content to be put out there, maybe up the, the level of jobs that are available for talented people in the sports media business. Now I'm worried for my friends that do have jobs, that that could see them go away um, with uh, with no football being played this fall, and uh, I I tr- I think I tried for a very long time to be optimistic, not just about our chances to have a football season, but about uh, Americans and our ability to come together if if necessary, and uh, it's all. Uh, culminated in in a great deal of disappointment today, and I'm I'm just trying to do my best to not 
freak out because that's that's what I feel like I'm on the cusp of is a little bit of a meltdown. What kind of freak out? Well, like, I mean, like yelling, throwing things, breaking things or 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 cussing people out on Twitter, you know, kick kicking your dog. What, what type of freak out are we talking about? All right. Well, uh, we'll leave the dog out of it. I, I know the Oregon fan in you always has to mention uh, uh, puppy abuse or whatever. Oh, my but- gosh. Do, do you know what was funny? That was I will tell everybody that was not intentional. It had nothing to do with Washington. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely in the mood to be a little more sharp tongued than, than I usually am both, uh, in real life and, and, uh, internet land. And I think that there, uh, there are probably a few people out there who are listening to this and think that I, I don't really do much holding back in the first place. (laughs) <laughs> but I he promise does, you, <laughs> I promise you for as out of pocket as, as I get on social media, I, I spend the first 10 to 20 minutes of every day, like visualizing, making decent decisions in my interactions <laughs> with other human beings. And I second guess everything I put out and I, there is 20 things on the kill floor for every one thing that I, that I do tweet, I, I, I'm hanging on by a thread as it is just to be perceived as a semi-functioning adult <laughs> human being in the world of sports media. And this is not, this is not helping that level of discipline. While again, people may do not believe that I possess that I, I try to exercise on a, on a daily basis. I'm mad. Um, looking for people to take it out on and, uh, you open up Twitter, it's fish in a barrel. And I just have to make sure that, that, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm exercising some level of decency and restraint and grace and all that. And, and I feel like, uh, it was harder today than it has been in, in a long time because oh, I'm, f- I'm very upset, especially at some of the people that you, had pointed out that we were all going to be upset with uh, yep. if we didn't get our crap together back in you know April, and the, yeah, and the craziest part is is that then people will will say to me, "Oh, you just want to say I told you so." No, I don't want to say I told you so. I wish we weren't in this situation. Like I don't want this. Like why? I do. We do a podcast about the Pac twelve. I love the Oregon Ducks. Looking forward to the Ohio State game was taking my entire family, made sure I was off work, off the radio, everything. So why on earth would I not want college football? Like it, it I don't it's not about I've told you so. It's just you're so frustrated with what happened that that that's the only thing that you can say. Well, see, I told you that this was gonna happen if we didn't do something different. What do you think of the uh, what do you think of the fan of the virus accusations? Like that people are people are called rooting for the virus. That is a low brow preaching to the choir. I mean, it is just it is just so like sheepish for people to repeat that 
Nobody's rooting for the effing virus, bro. Nobody. I They're just see, sitting here stating see, like, facts. And huh? Unless you are a, a vaccine maker, you're not rooting for the damn virus. I mean, and even then, uh, you know, the, their life, you know, you're probably talking about the people at the top, 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 top. Everybody else got to yeah. be pretty stressed out right now. Yeah. Um, I would say that, you know, maybe, maybe there's some people that are, are, are rooting for the virus, you know, in so much as some people are front runners. And so, you know, if you have somebody who refused to mask up, went on eight family vacations, ate at every restaurant and bar the minute that it was open, had a bunch of family gatherings and went to anti-mask demonstrations and stuff like that. If that person wants to accuse someone of rooting for the virus, then maybe that person's just a front runner and you're the loser. And they're rooting against, not so much against you, but they're just rooting for the thing that you helped put out in the lead anyway. You know? Yeah, so, so like exactly. maybe that's a possibility, but it's nobody, there's nobody, nobody that I know has ever expressed anything other than if then statements and those if then statements were usually fraught with worry and trepidation like yeah it's a if you don't do this then we will lose the season yep that's that's how, not like how long have i been saying that ralph oh you the longest it could be said and the loudest i've gotten into a couple of scraps on 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 twitter over things like this, but you know, I'm, I wasn't making declarative statements like you, like when you saw Florida's beaches full, um, and you said they are going to cost us the season, and we're, we're at that point. We're yep. at that point. But like, what good would it do for you to be like, I was right? Exactly. Because we I, all I, eat I, I could retweet thirty things, and that's why, truthfully. I am not devastated or sad about today's news about college football being pushed back to the spring. I was sad and angry two, three months ago on the podcast, on Fox Sports Radio, on everything else. I saw this coming. And today, like, it, okay, it reminded me of when my grandmother died. It was, so she battled cancer for 17 plus years. It left, came back, left, came back, left, came back. The last time it had had metastasized everywhere. And even though it was sad for me to see her pass, there was like, I knew this was coming. Like, so it, it wasn't, it wasn't like she drove out the house and got in a car accident and died. I know that this is a morbid kind of a example, but. Yeah. But way, to, way to keep it light, George. <laughs> cheer me up over here. And, no, dude, and she was my favorite person in the entire universe. Like, me and my grandmother were crazy tight. But, and it was sad and it was hard for me, but I think that the fact that I had been preparing for it for over a year gave me a little bit more, you know, like it's like when you know something's coming, even when it shows up, it's still hard, but you you knew it was coming. And if you didn't play pretend like it wasn't happening, then you're not quite as devastated by it. But I, I do feel the same way that you feel about people in the business and their jobs are at risk. 
uh, college football talk is done or the NBC site done. Some of them uh, may be coming over to unafraid show now. Like this is like, it's a real thing. Like this is not a game. Like people's lives and livelihood are at risk. And so people were, and the, the thing that bothers me the most about this, I did not think that this was going to be as divisive of an issue for college football as the coronavirus has been just in general. You have, I guess, college coaches on one side. You have presidents and ADs on another side. You have media members on another side. And it's like you have people like Joel Klatt saying, oh, listen to the kids, pay attention to the kids. But nobody really cared what college athletes had to say at any other point in time. I, I just... It just makes no sense to me, Ralph, how how college football, how we are here. And there are so many varying opinions on this. You have medical experts from the ACC saying, I see a path where we can play. Pac-12 people are like, yep, nope, hell no. This is a terrible idea. Did, did money and revenue come up? Nope, didn't even come up. Because the money and revenue should not be the actual answer. So here is the question. Why did the Pac-12 cancel? I think it canceled for two reasons. John Wilner thinks it canceled for four. And how many do, would you say, Ralph? One, uh, that the Big Ten did it and they were always going to follow. I think, yeah, I think so one. If the yeah, big, so you think, the, do you think the Pac-12 would have been the only league to drop out? Let's say no. that not even the Mountain West does. It's a it's a sad shame, but I'm going to say no. Because right, so that's, so we, that's don't, one we, don't, we don't lead. Like, like the Pac-12 doesn't lead on too many things. They kind of, they don't want to be last, but they definitely don't. But Larry Scott and company is not going to stick their neck out and be first. They lead That's in synch- synchronized water polo championships and everything else they're following. Yeah. So, so the, the, the two reasons why I've said that they're, that they canceled number one is liability. I think that the liability of the schools is greater than the revenue that was going to be generated. That, that the additional health risks that Wilner talks about that those are going, which we're going to talk about in a second, that those factored heavily into the decision. And the second minor, like if like if you have a major and a minor, the minor thing was they had no clue how they were going to deal with. We are United, the players and how they were going to deal with the other uh, player demands of we want to play. So I don't think that I think that the conferences are woefully underprepared for that. And that those are the two reasons. And John, John Wilner, in his article, I tweeted it out. I'll put it in the show notes. He said that there were four issues that dominated the report that came out of the conference. Number one was viral spread. That nine of the 11 local jurisdictions that are home to the Pac-12 campuses are currently experiencing dangerous or uncontrolled levels of community spread. 
Okay. That sounds but like didn't, a but Larry Scott told me that that was the thing he liked most about the conference was that uh, <laughs> was the, the different uh, d- diverse terrains. Remember when I asked him about, you know, are you going to do anything to lead on the issue of marijuana when it's about to be your entire conference is in a legalized area, whereas nobody else faces that burden. And his, his answer to that question was that like, Hey, what we, we variety, he essentially said variety is the spice of life <laughs> for the, for the PAC 12. And now, you know, you, you actually see one of the biggest challenges of being spread out over such a large, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, number two reason health restrictions. So you already have Cal, USC, and UCLA who can't throw balls at this point in time. They can with the they've been cleared by the state, but not by county officials to allow the quarterbacks and receivers to play catch. When I go on social media, Ralph, and I see people that I know in Atlanta, North Carolina, all of it like all of these states, and I'm like, it feels like we are in two different worlds. Because I live in California. Like, it's still, it's not locked down, but it's, uh, people aren't eating in restaurants. They're eating outside under pop-up tarps. It's not, like, nothing is open. And when I see people, they're out there at whole-ass weddings. Like, normal, like, nothing is going on. Like, and it is like we are living in two separate planets. And the players seeing uh, photos of people from Clemson with their helmets on, all of that, that's bizarre to people out in the the Pac-12 territory right now. And I understand that. And California is different. It's also home to a third of our uh, teams in, in the conference. But it's also the only state where hair salons aren't operational right now. I think California has a tendency to overreach and over legislate and you know they they're about to kill Uber <laughs> just through over legislation of of saying like no you have to treat your uh your temp employees in the gig economy like real employees. So there's not going to be Uber in California anymore pretty soon. They already killed SB Nation and all those uh, sports blogger sites by saying that Vox Media had to pay them like actual employees when they knew what they were getting into. So that's I think California just has this tendency to overreach and overprotect. And so it's going to feel a lot different for the kids in your state, George, and they are going to see different things all over the place. But in this situation, California might be the only place that's appropriately reacting, but without the entire union all in conjunction and participating alongside it. You know, you look at California as just like, oh, this is just another example um, of them overdoing it. But the entire country possibly is about to lose uh, college football if the other major conferences follow suit. And that's going to be everybody's fault what and and if and if something that big happens then can you really say that anyone anywhere overreached i don't think you can yeah. I, I think you get to the point where you're like oh california's reaction was the appropriate one and arizona and florida and texas were less than appropriate um yep <laughs> yep <laughs> see and the other, and in addition, still in point number two, health restrictions, 
the local officials, this is a quote, local officials would require the quarantining of the entire football team and operation with one positive case because they all reached their threshold for close contact. So you would, if somebody catches it, you would have to quarantine the entire team. Point number three, my myocarditis, which is what the Mayo Clinic calls as an, an inflammation of the heart muscle. This is what I, this particular thing is one of the things that I have been talking about because I've been using the term that there are negative effects, serious negative effects of the coronavirus that don't result in death. And this is one of them. It can affect your heart muscle and your heart's electrical system, reducing your heart's ability to pump and causing rapid or abnormal heart rhythms. In, in extreme cases, it can be life-threatening. So it can cause blood clots, heart attacks, strokes, any of this. And by sitting on the board at the Harvard Health Study, they have told us these things. For months, there was anecdotal evidence, and now it is more, it is much more uh, like fully scientific-based. And there are at least 10 players in the Big Ten who have this, at least 10. And it's treated in addition with drugs and medicine, all that. No activity for three months. Three months. So while everybody was talking about COVID deaths, I was always saying, don't worry about the deaths. You need to be worrying about the unknown short-term and long-term causes, which then makes the schools financially liable. Well, let's well, George, talk about... Let's talk about that, though. Let's talk about the fact that a virus can cause you to have heart inflammation and that that could result in uh, in death. Because I have an almost five-year-old daughter who over Christmas in 2015 um, barely escaped with her life when what we think happened is she caught a virus which caused her heart to enlarge which caused her to struggle, have a heart attack and code out. Like she doctors were breathing for her and pumping her heart for her for 10 minutes before she came to and started to breathe on her own. This is when she's only at two weeks old. And we spent the next three weeks wondering if she was going to make it out of the hospital. And it was a miracle that it happened. But if you, I mean, I've lived the near worst case scenario of this exact thing playing out. It's why for the first three months, you know, before I drove out to Montana where there was less than nobody is why I locked myself and my kid down in, in the house because if the possibility existed for that to happen again, I would never wish that nightmare on anyone watching your, your baby girl pass away, have to be brought back and, and then be on life support for weeks. Like the, the idea of that happening to anybody's child. When we have foreknowledge of it and we know that it's potentially preventable would be inexcusable. And while I do understand that there's another side to that argument of that life has inherent risk, anybody who comes in on that side of the argument then needs to say, and I would risk my child playing 
with an enlarged heart in order to entertain strangers. And if they're willing to say that, then I guess I'll hear them out. But it's not a choice that I would make if I know that that's a consequence. Yeah, but isn't it real easy to to, to say I would say that with somebody else's kid? You know what I mean? Of, like, of course. It, it, it's easy to say it when your kid's not in that situation. Well, then there is the the issue of the waivers before we get to the fourth point, the waivers people have asked, well, why don't even Joel Klatt asked, I was like, Joel, you know, the answer to this. Um, they said, why don't the kids sign waivers? And then they, they can play. The first thing is, is that the reason why they can't sign, well, the, they're already having the kids sign those waivers. Then the pack, 12 and the NCAA said you cannot do these waivers because a, they don't, they, the NCAA barred the use of waivers, but even if they did and were allowed to use them, they are like quintessential con contracts of adhesion. And what adhesion is, is when someone says, when someone in a position of power Tell somebody you have to sign this if you want to do this. So you either take it or leave it. That's that's what that means. It's contracts that are drafted by a party in a position of power, leaving the weaker party to take it or leave it. And that's exactly what goes on in college football. And the and the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert, already said they're uh I, I think he used the word deplorable or disgusting or something that that's what these COVID waivers are. So I can't see a scenario where that happens. The, the and then the fourth issue was testing the capacity for testing, which the players in the big 10 under big 10 United, the, we are United kids from the pac 12 and the, we want to play the all the kids from all the conferences. They all want standard testing procedures. And that's not what's going on at this point in time. They said they we are not the NFL. We don't have a contract with a private lab. Testing is a way to control the disease and is not an effective prevention strategy with the quick turnaround testing. It can be done which they do think would be available in the spring. So out of those four reasons, Ralph, the testing, the myocarditis, the health restrictions, and the viral spread, which one do you think factored in the most? I mean, it's got to be viral spread because without this virus, there is no – everything is a domino off that first domino. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it it it's like no no earthquake, no tsunami. Yes, yes. That's what my wife says whenever whenever she gets upset with me, and I'm like, babe, why are you acting like this? No earthquake, no tsunami. I like I like it. I would not personally use that in. Uh, I might, you know. I think I'm gonna try it. <laughs> I'll let you know okay. how it goes. Let me let me let me know how Aaron reacts to that. All right. If I'm, if I'm still around. 
Um, so the then that begs the next question. What would happen to the Pac-12 players? And this comes with a segment basically that says Ray Anderson said what? Ray Anderson had this to say. Well, we're going to gather with all of our student athletes and coaches to talk about where we are. More importantly, we hope to educate them even more uh, completely about the, the, the steps that went into us finally getting here. All of us want to play sports. Every student athlete, oh, by the way, it's not just football. There's soccer and there's volleyball and there's cross country uh, and there's wrestling and there are other sports who are, are preparing now who will be impacted by this decision. Uh, but as uh, President Shield and Commissioner uh, Scott said, from day one, uh, when this thing first broke back on, uh, uh, what was it, March 11th, uh, it was our duty to look to the health and safety of our student athletes. And we knew from the beginning, and particularly as we got educated along the way, that this virus was going to be very fluid. Uh, so we were going to be dictated uh, and really guided by the science and the medicine. Uh, so as it has moved along, we tried to uh, make adjustments, uh, to uh, change schedules, uh, 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 make adjustments with workouts. We want to play in the worst way, but not at the risk of the health and safety. So with the inconsistencies uh, uh, in the, the virus and then with this additional information coming out that says you just don't have enough to make decisions, particularly going into contact sports with these young men and women to put them at risk. Uh, and as athletic directors and medical folks and uh, uh, presidents and chancellors and coaches uh, and office uh, commissioner uh, on the way down, we're just not going to do that. Now we want to hold out hope that we have postponed, but we have not canceled. Uh, we're going to hold out hope that things will change and we will be able to go into competition. Uh, so as an athletic director in this conference and speaking for my colleagues, we're very proud of the way we proceeded in this. And, and, I, and, I, and I do trust that our student athletes and our coaches and their families are, are confident that we have done this with their interests in mind from day one and will continue to do so led by the science and the medicine uh, with the great input from Dr. Ackerman and others in this conference. So you heard what Ray Anderson said, Ralph. What was your take on that? Saying Basically saying that if people want to come after our players, try, try your best because we will play again. I would advise, uh, and I know that he's a lawyer, um, so I, I, I don't know if I'm in the place to be giving counsel to uh, counsel, but I would advise maybe not challenging football coaches in other parts of the country to commit um, what I believe are NCAA. There's always ways around NCAA violations, especially when it's heard from a friend of a friend or you get a hold of a, a, a relative of a kid. But you, you can definitely recruit somebody off another team. I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it happen. But I, for I would I would urge Ray Anderson to no longer challenge other conferences in which football is a little bit more serious than it is out here to come and get your players because they will. <laughs> some of these, some of these people will do that. And I don't think 
that the players are going to be as grateful as he outlined that they would be. Uh, because when he says, you know, I think they're going to see that we were looking out for their best interest, <laughs> you know, while some, if you're, if you're going to open up that can of worms, somebody from the big 10 could say, Hey, we were actually the first to cancel. We cared more. You should come to a big 10 school or somebody from the sec is going to say, Hey, look, I know all you care about is the ability to ball. And I know you're going to graduate before all your eligibility is up. Why not come out here? Let's see how real football is done. We didn't cancel. Come join up with us next year. Like there's, they will do it. I just, I would, I would urge him not to issue any unnecessary challenges or poke any sleeping beasts that, that, that uh, have, we have no reason to garner their attention. See, so I, I, I stand with Ray Anderson on this. If you want to try to come get him, try your best. Because that leads me to the worst tweet of the day, worst tweet of the week. It was by Fox Sports Radio host, guy that I actually like, Aaron Torres. And we've worked together, all of this. So this isn't a diss on him. I just think the tweet's bad. He said, one thing, I promise. So this is a declarative statement. I promise. Every NFL caliber player that, I mean, this is a very, like he's already started out on a promise and used the word every. You, nothing could go wrong with this. This will age perfectly, right, Ralph? Anytime you use the word like always and never, it'll always age properly. Always and always a good idea to never use always and never in marital arguments. Yes. (laughs) One thing I promise. Every NFL caliber player, especially fifth year guys, will hear from SEC, ACC, and Big 12 schools by the end of the night. Not tomorrow, not the end of the week, but by tonight. One of dozens of unintended consequences here is that the Big 10 rosters are going to get absolutely pillaged if football is played elsewhere. Wrong. This could not be more wrong of a tweet because okay first thing is is that like transfer restrictions get it i get it the ncaa has granted waivers but do you think the ncaa is going to be pushing these waivers through in the next uh two weeks no then these kids are supposed to learn a playbook anything like that uh no there are transfer restrictions the and the first thing that happens in case people don't know when a when a kid decides to transfer the school which which we talked about with the quarterback at Washington when he tried to transfer to UCLA Washington had Washington can't block his transfer but they could block his immediate eligibility so the schools has to say okay it's fine he should be considered for immediate eligibility Conference then signs off, and then the NCAA signs off. If the school doesn't sign off, it doesn't even get to the NCAA. So all of these schools could stop everybody at this point in time from transferring somewhere else. And then the NCAA is just going to push them all through? Yeah, right. It's not happening. Then the next thing is most of these, there are 85 scholarship spots. Ralph, in the in the a conference of fourteen in the SEC or a conference of ten like the 
uh, Big 12 or 14 like the ACC. How many of those schools do you think are at eight, at 85 scholarships right now? Most what, of them what percentage are, of them? I would say that I would say 100% of them are somewhere between 80 and 85. I would say you can never depend on more than 30 open spots in an entire conference at at any given time and of that 30 open spots 14 or 15 might be promised to somebody already. And so, you know, I that's definitely not something that you can count on, but we also George can't sit here and act like Tony Fields didn't just leave University of Arizona for uh, for West Virginia uh, because of the pandemic. No, because I get it, it gave him time to weigh his options. And if you have three conferences I'm, I'm that are saying, playing, you can't pillage. That that's what I'm saying is that you can't just pillage people's ro- rosters. And the other thing is, True. there's also depth chart issues. Just because you are a top player at you know. If you are a top player, if you are, if you are Justin Fields, are you going to transfer somewhere else and play? No, you're just going to either wait till they play, or you're going to sit out and go get ready for the NFL. I mean, like there are only so many guys that can like you can't pillage rosters. Like it just doesn't work like that. And I thought it was the absolute worst tweet of the the day, the week so far. I'll give you that you are at, you are absolutely right that you, you couldn't see 10, 12 players off of any given roster leave because there, there would be nowhere to put them. Do I think that a lot of them will be reached out to? Yeah, but I think it'll work just like recruiting in that, Hey, we reached out to 25 guys. We only have one spot. Yep. I, like, I just don't, I am old enough to remember Ralph because people have been asking, is the SEC, Big 12, and ACC going to play? And my response to that is, I am old enough to remember when the Big 10 and the Pac-12 went to conference-only schedules. And every media pundit who is now screaming about players playing was saying uh, that the ACE, that those conferences were going to continue to play, that they were going to add games, that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 were stupid. They were going to add games, play a regular schedule, and that was going to be that. I'm old enough to remember that. And what ended up happening, Ralph? Like two uh, like, weeks later, like the the rats in that Pied Piper story, or were they snakes? I don't remember. Um, they they followed suit. Yep, and they will be following suit with this as well. So players transferring around are are you are just shuffling decks on the Titanic. You are shuffling chairs. I mean, on the Titanic. It did. You're on a sinking ship. Sorry. Hate to be the bearer of bad news, but somebody around here has to be a realist. Well, um, speaking of uh, sinking ships, can want to talk about the We Are United movement? Don't do that, Ralph. Don't be that guy. <laughs> who 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 hurt you? Who hurt you? College football, the Pac-12 hurt me. America. 
Wow. So the we are united after today's after today's canceling. They wrote another letter. They're good at writing letters right now. And would you say that this was a would you call this scathing? Yeah, they 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 didn't really pull any punches. They they called out uh Larry Scott after their meeting with him last Friday, I believe. They they called him out in a in a letter and and then, you know, a couple of the players took some individual parting shots around the conference including Nick Ford out at Utah and then, you know, this seems to follow suit and be me more the same. I definitely love to know which player if it is the players that's you know making that choice because it's definitely a choice yeah they they have in addition they have demands of course they want the preservation of this year's athletic eligibility which which the conference agreed to continued access to medical treatment academic support services and meals for athletes who decide to stay on campus i think that's a reasonable demand because they didn't cancel all athletic related activities should be optional until uniform health and safety standards are mandated conference. Why? Think that that is very reasonable as well. But I know that you, that you hate the, we are United movement for some reason, Ralph, but I think that these kids who basically said that they don't trust Larry Scott, as far as they can throw him, they questioned his leadership. I don't think that they're terrible. I don't think that they're wrong. They are going to end up on the right side of history on this one, Ralph. Yeah, they, they very well may. I don't hate the We Are United movement. It's just not a united We Are United movement, which yes, makes it the is, name. It, they were not. They most certainly were not. And you saw that when it came time for Pac-12 players to start tweeting that they want to play when uh, no, there was we want to play it came no with that wasn't a negotiating too. tactic these were no different it came players. It, it's on the poster it says we are united times we want to play there are demands even for the we who want to that, play though? who made that though that's not like trevor that. lawrence made it trevor lawrence, trevor lawrence made everybody that trevor lawrence was on that phone call Trevor Lawrence was on the phone call with with Dylan Boyles and and the other Pac-12 players as well. Trevor Lawrence wasn't going to sit out the season uh, demanding social justice reforms and 50% of a, a revenue share. He wasn't. The we want to play thing was completely separate. And within the Pac-12, if you go through the players that were tweeting, we want to play, and the ones that were tweeting, we are united – uh, you're going to find that there's a line drawn there. And I'm not trying to create some false conflict. What I'm saying is the We Are United movement was probably 5% of the conference. It got a bump nope. up to maybe 10 to 15% of the conference when the players who decided to come out and do this and say We Are United put themselves out there. It created a situation in which they drew a line in the sand. And if you see, you know, that maybe there's a movement that you don't necessarily 100% agree with, but you see your people getting picked on 
because of the stance that they took, it's going to push you one way or the other to take a side on that. So I commend them for coming up with this hashtag, we are united, even though they weren't, because it created a moment in which a line in the sand was drawn and it forced a lot more players to come to their side. But the truth of the matter is, most How are you of the say players in the conference... We just because thought about this united. all last last episode. You can't say they're not united when they have continuously become more and more galvanized, getting people recruiting players from across the country to join in and make demands. Like Trevor Lawrence even tweeted it out, dude. They want a union. They want a college football players association. This is going to happen. I don't know why you think that that this is not going to happen, Ralph. So you, um, let me rephrase your question. You're asking me how I can say that they're not united when the very small part became a slightly larger part of the very big hole and could have continued to grow and envelop more space in that. But you lost me. You lost because. Me. You, you were lost when you started talking because the premise of what you're saying is, of course, they're united. Some more people that weren't united with them are starting to agree. That doesn't it, – it it's self-defeating. There's a few players who feel a certain way and felt strongly enough to come out and, and put this out there. It drew more players to their side. But you look at a roster like Arizona State University – they had one player whose name was on that. They had zero other players. So you're talking about with walk-ons. There's a hundred no, kids, there is a and difference one of them players who were one on of it. them puts his name, and no one else tweets At about least it. Twenty, but, Ralph, but then a I bunch would, of those would, same Arizona State players, when it came time to say we want to play, they're all tweeting that hashtag instead because it is. It also came with demands, Ralph. They the. The the players actually did a much better job with the we want to play demands because instead of talking about the finances, they talked about the players association because a players association, which is a union, is going to then handle the money. So you don't have to demand a certain percentage of revenue or or name, image and likeness rights. That's what the the union is set up to do. But the original we want to play hashtag wasn't calling for a union. It was saying, don't cancel the season. Give us a chance to play. That's Ralph. But is is that not what it is? Right or wrong? When Spencer Rattler put it out there, do you think he was talking about a union? He wasn't. When Justin Fields put that out there, do you think he was talking about a union? He wasn't. Neither was they all got Ralph. They all got on a Zoom call. A, they all got on a text message, then got on a Zoom call, and they put this together. The most important players in college football, Chuba, Chuba Hubbard, Justin Fields, um, Trevor Lawrence, people from the Pac-12, Javon Holland, like the most important people in college football got together and put these demands together. And the people, the rest of college football players, not all of them, but enough to affect the money because – because the big names, the best players are the ones that matter the most. They count threefold for everybody else. So if you have them on board, you have people who are going to follow them because that's what you need. 
That's the most important thing that you have. So so even if you only have 10% of players who are saying it, once they see that there is some action, they're like, oh, yeah, I will jump on board with this too because, because, because they're not going to cut Trevor Lawrence. They're not going to kick Trevor Lawrence out of school. So if they don't kick him out of school, they can't then kick you out of school. Otherwise, you have a claim. So th- that's how movements work. They don't start with a, a 50% of the people. No, they start with 2%. Then they go to 5 Then they go to 12 Then they go to 27 That's how it works. Well, there's nothing to move against, George. There's nothing for this movement to move and against. And I told the players. No football. I told the players. I told uh, J- Javon Holland. I told um, Dylan Boyles. I told multiple other players that I spoke with. The Pac-12 and the other conferences don't know how to deal with this. Their exit strategy is going to be to cancel the to well to postpone the season, hoping that some of you guys leave for the NFL. Because that will take back some of the power. Because they were hoping that that will divide the movement. That's what What, they're hoping. What's going to divide the movement is not having football. When push comes to shove, a bunch of these players are going to realize that they just want to play football. And they're going to be willing to not participate in a movement that got snuffed out yeah, but Judas that was the same thing before that they said ever about had free agency. But that was the same thing they said with free agency in sports. They didn't think that the NFL players would would uh would uh strike in what was it 94? No, 92. They didn't think they were gonna strike, and they did, and it worked. But you did have was, people who crossed the picket line. Strike, but that was a strike. Imagine if there wasn't a game to go back to. Why would there not be a game to go back to? George, we just had a season canceled because of COVID. They're not going to stop playing college football. It's too much money to be made. They are going to play. At some point in time, college, even if it's even if we miss this whole season, college football will be back in 2021. And you think that the players will threaten to sit out after having already missed a whole season? We'll see. You know what, though? You know what, though? Because the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC might not cancel. They might not cancel. So we, if they if they don't, and both you and I think they will, but if they don't, then we'll actually get to see if any of these players in any way were impacted by what the Big 10 and Pac-12 players put out there. Primarily the Pac-12 players because they're – their their demands were a lot more all-encompassing and a lot more specific. If you have non-safety-related um, instances of players sitting out in any of those three conferences, and I would say that you'd have to have at least five. You'd have to have at least five for it to even really be a blip on the radar amongst yeah. 40 teams then I'll say, all right, that has some credence. But if they actually play this year, when you're saying the movement would be most impactful and not a single person in those three conferences joins in to do what I'm not sure the Pac-12 players would have followed through with in the first place, then you'll know 
that while I do not have an issue with this and I think that their demands are reasonable and I want them to get paid, you'll know why I never took this seriously. Okay. We shall see. Um, so uh, Peter Thamel, college football writer, I think for Yahoo. Yeah, yeah, for Yahoo. He tweeted out, he said that today was the, no, that yesterday was the first time that August 9th was the first time that the Big Ten had actually had discussions about canceling the season and or and or pushing it back to the spring. And the Pac-12 hadn't had a lot of those either. And I just thought, I was like, what was the leadership doing for the last five months? Like nobody stood up in the meeting and was like, um, what what happens if we do have to cancel? Or, or did somebody do it? And they were like, shut up, stupid. We're not doing that. And they were like, okay, well, okay, I guess we won't talk about that then. <laughs> I'm assuming they, they had to have had some discussions, but what do they mean? Like formal where, where the, the meetings minutes all line up with, these are the things they discussed. How could they be, how could that subject not be broached if it's what they're being asked about in every interview request? I'm, they I'm assuming just that that used to talk about it, right? Then they must not have been talking. Cause it's the only thing we talk about and they don't pay our bills. We just, we get together once a week to talk about, Pac-12 sports, and it's the only thing we talk about because it's the only thing to talk about. Will there be a season? And for months now, you and you and I have leaned toward no, and speculated as to why. No, I I don't buy the idea that it wasn't. It's a singular issue. There are no sports going. Like, what else are you going to talk about? I I believe in certain legends uh, that illustrate. Larry Scott's ineptitude, but I can't buy into this one. This one's too grandiose, even for him, to not have prolonged discussions on what the conference is going to have to do if stuff doesn't get under control. Like, there is no other topic. Well, <laughs> I just think that people just, that they were trying to focus on, I, you, you, you make a very valid point, Ralph. So, I it seems unfathomable, unfathomable that they didn't talk about this, and neither did the Big Ten. I it would just be just negligence, right? That you didn't even consider this, and that's why I said the only way that I think that it wouldn't have been talked about is if somebody brought it up one time and they were like, "Shut up, stupid." We're not talking about this. And they shamed them. So everybody was like, listen, I'm not going to be the one to bring it up. I'm not going to bring it up because uh, you saw you saw what happened when Jack brought it up. I'm not going to bring it bring it up and let's try to find a way forward. That's the only way that that yeah. sort of thing could have happened. And maybe I'm thinking more interconference, like maybe maybe that's mostly in reference to the the uh, university president's. Oh and the conversations that they had, you know, like maybe they just don't have reason to get together and talk, but I assume if they would have, it would be like, what, what else is there to talk about? It would be like, if you came out here to visit me, George in August in Arizona, and we only hung out outside 
like at some point somebody's bringing up the weather. <laughs> it's inevitable. No, we're we're not talking about the weather. It's a it's a state of mind. <laughs> I don't know. I just I have, I have a really hard time believing that 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 there. I just want to know if it is true. What else were they talking? Like, is there a TV show that we haven't seen that we need to be clued in on that would take? precedent to the point where that's the only thing we discuss like is there something on tiger king's level out there that or or the michael jordan documentary where it can actually take away some of our attention from this endless vacuum of shit that (laughs) we've been sucked into because i want to know what it is if that's the case i would love to be let in on whatever distraction they have that kept them from talking about strategies for what to do with these kids in these institutions. Yeah. (laughs) There is one thing, like one major thing that I really do hope that comes out of all of this is the NCAA, who is the powers that be, starts acting like the powers that be. And instead of every conference having their own medical people, which they all should, there needs to be essentially a college football playoff committee of medical professionals. That's what you need. A college football playoff committee of medical professionals. What do you think about Matt Leinart tweeting that college football needed a separate commissioner? Oh, kind kind of like the Pac-12 needs a separate person to run the media and to be the commissioner, kind of like that. Or like I think he was just saying like college football needs like a Roger Goodell, like college football just needs its own dedicated commissioner. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that at all. Like it, at least you would have somebody in charge, and I think that that's the biggest thing that we've learned in this is that. No one person is in charge. You have you have way too many chiefs and not enough followers. You have way too many people who who, who have the ability to 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 be the decision maker. Well, it, it it's like what you have in the Power Five conferences. You have five separate democracies who are are living in, you know, an, under one kingdom but there's no king. There's there's not even like a true leadership council. There is, you know, there's five leadership councils and then they all make their own decisions about the laws and the rules within the provinces in the kingdom. It's just a bad idea. It it would be like the United States running with no president. That couldn't happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it's crazy. Um, so I guess now, Ralph, it is time for our favorite segment of Start, Sit, Cut. So I have to put on my game show voice. It is time for Start, Sit, and Cut. So today, Ralph, we are start sitting and cutting two separate items. The first thing is the college football cancel blame. So who are you starting? Who are you sitting? And who are you cutting? 
for the blame for the the college football season being canceled. So I, I just want to make sure we're playing by the same set of rules here. The person that I would start as far as being to blame for losing college football is most most to blame. Yeah. My view. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. I, d- I d- do not intend for this to be a political uh, podcast, but I'm going to go ahead and start uh, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States. Um, I genuinely believe that I think it was February 26th. He said, you know, you have 15 people who have it It'll, in a couple of days. It'll be um, down to down to zero and we'll be good. You know, that was that was February. And I mean, he had an opportunity around that time to not just in policy, because I know he did a few things that were helpful, like shutting down uh, travel. But he had an opportunity at the time to really rally his base. And the thing that uh, you have no choice but to respect about the the president is that there's about 35 to 40 million people in this country that will follow his lead regardless. Yep. So he has a tremendous uh, power to enact good or potentially foment bad in any given situation because he has a, a, a loyal base unlike anything I've seen in in my time in the United States. And so um, had he come out and said, this is an incredibly serious thing, lives are on the line, we're going to be known as the party who took this seriously and live sacrificially and it's a patriotic thing to do and he went everywhere with a mask and he retweeted supporters of his who were pro mask and he like really really drilled down on it all of those people would have would have uh would have marched in in lockstep with him and um that's the only way that i could see our country not being in the position that it's currently in right now. So I want to make sure that when I say that I'm starting Donald Trump as the person who is most to blame for um, us not having college football, that people understand that that's not necessarily um, political. It's more just a recognition of the following that he, uh, well, I mean, certainly it's political, right? But it's, it's not, it's not a condemnation of him as evil it's over a very specific thing that he could have done that he didn't that i personally believe would have been the only path the the only 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 existing path to having college football this fall and uh yeah so angry letters i'm mad at unafraidshow.com <laughs> i am so i'm going to agree with you for all the reasons that you said i'm starting donald j trump as well because everything starts at the top you know that he had such an influence on so many people and he could have gotten his supporters to wear masks he could he could have which 
which then would have had the other half of the people who already were willing to wear masks to do them. And I was reading an article uh, a few, maybe like two weeks ago about how masks were divisive in 20, uh, I'm sorry, in 1918 with the Spanish flu as well. That people said, oh, they they couldn't breathe, that they were going to require people to wear them forever, that this was going to be some uh, demarcation line in the new world order and all of this. And clearly it didn't happen. After the Spanish flu was over, people went back to their normal lives and we haven't been wearing masks since in this country. So like this too shall pass. And, you know, I think it's hard for people to see you know, six months down the line, a year down the line from, from now when things are so bad where they're sitting right now. Um, who are you sitting, Ralph? Uh, the players. I think I, I haven't seen a lot of blame uh, go to them for not carrying the burden of being, of, of living sacrificially to the point where they didn't, you know, contract it and spread it at schools like Kansas state and, um, you know, Rutgers and Michigan state and stuff like that. Uh, because honestly, a lot of it happened when they all first moved in (laughs) was, was when a lot of them first tested positive, they brought it from wherever they were, wherever they were at and wherever they were, they were living in that, that put the colleges in a position to need to get it under control once it was there. Um, but I, I don't think the kids bear any of the the blame for this, even going so far as to say that the We Are United movement didn't play a part in why we're not going to have college football. I think that it, I think that putting any of this for any reason on the players, um, it, it doesn't make any sense just because it's so much of this is completely outside of their their control and the way that they, they acted inside of, you know, this non bubble bubble of, of just the experience of being a student athlete. I I think it it was a relatively insignificant, um, uh, blip as far as what caused them to, to need to shut things down. Cause it, you know, they had to take into consideration the college students coming back, um, all sorts of things. I just don't think the kids are to blame at all. So I would agree with that. that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but I'm going to sit the media. And I don't think the media is any blame for it. I'm, I'm talking about the sports media. The rooting for the uh, the people, rooting for the virus. Like This has become such a divisive issue, and I'm not putting any of it on the media who was calling for people to wear masks and everybody who said that, oh, this guy's rooting for the virus because he's stating facts. Come on now, man. Like, so I am sitting the media because they get a chance to get a, a reprieve, a breath, take a breath of fresh air because this was not fake news. This was not made up. This was not hyperbole. There are negative outcomes that don't include death, this is serious. So I'm sitting the media who was actually, and then the quotes that they were actually getting from athletic directors, coaches, players, presidents, 
Like these were real people that they were saying this privately. And people said, oh, you're just you're not being optimistic because they aren't being optimistic. You're just following the story instead of instead of making it up. <laughs> you, you know, what I mean, trying to spin it a certain way. You you get the facts, you get the quotes and then you find your story surrounding that. Who are you cutting, Ralph? I'm cutting China. Ooh. I think I think that uh, I, I, this is you know what a lot of my acquaintances have had to say is like, look, this is all China's fault anyway. Um, and unless you can show me definitively that this was intentionally designed and intentionally released so that it would first wreak havoc upon their own population and then spread to uh, the entire world, but most adversely affect. Uh, the United States of America. Right. Uh, because, because they knew that we wouldn't do the things right. that the so other that, countries did. There's just an incredible egocentricism and ethnocentricism in the idea that like this whole thing was about us to begin with. You know, we have, a uh, um, we have uh, the, the most important day of the year to an American is literally called independence. It's like a celebration of not having to depend on your neighbors. And so like culturally we were probably never really going to be in the place where we all came together and pulled in one direction. It could have been done differently. It could have been done better. Um, so it was always going to be a problem for us, but I'm, I, I can't collectively blame a country of over a billion people for something that happened. That would be like blaming America for something that happened in El Paso, right? Like it, it's yeah. an entire country uh, you you can put plenty of other stuff uh, on China for any other n- number of geopolitical reasons, but as far as like a virus goes, it happens, right? Yeah. Like th- that's these things exist in the world, in nature, and it happens sometimes. And th- and there's not anybody that you can point the finger at that's actually going to um, change anything about what's already happening and also you have if you blame china for any of this especially college football there's no recourse for it right it's just that that blame just goes off somewhere never to be returned there's nothing about what's going on in china that i can control in arizona to make sure that this outcome doesn't happen Later, So I I just feel like we're so many steps removed, so many mistakes removed from where the origin of the virus was that I'm willing to cut China loose as even being in the conversation for being to blame for losing football. Yeah, I am not. um, I I am cutting Clay, Clay Travis. I've known Clay for a long time. I've done shows with him. I think he's an incredibly smart man. I am cutting his 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 epidemiologist uh certificate his his honorary epidemiologist cer- certificate like he is not as much to blame as as trump but he is because he has a loyal fan base that 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 corresponds with that same with with the president and You know, they talk about facts and data. He always talks about, and he's such a smart guy that it's frustrating because he's like, look at where the numbers are today. Well, if you look at the numbers today, you're still 14 days away from that. 
like they, they were on, he was on the, this thing will disappear immediately. All of this. So, yeah. So I think that, so I'm cutting Clay Travis as it relates to uh, that. Well, he, I mean, I feel like one person when you compare, cause the, the president was actually on Clay Travis's show this week. Yeah. And I would say that one person has a very devout following and the other, I think, surfs upon the populist rage of, of the moment or whatever the anti-cultural wave of the moment is. I think Clay Travis is just an incredibly talented surfer. He can identify the wave and he can ride it. But I think that wave exists with or without him. I think he's good at capturing the thing that people want to hear. But I don't think he sets that tone, and I don't think he is really important enough to really influence anybody else's thinking. Everybody who rallied oh, to play I... Travis wanted someone to be different than what the like they Correct. wanted that. And so because Clay, and if it wasn't Clay Travis, it would have been somebody else. So I, I consider him to be relatively insignificant, far less significant than he would consider himself as far as just a person of influence. I look at him as more of a, uh, a, a cultural fad surfer. Like he, he, he finds what it is that's annoying people um, that's outside of the, the majority of the moment. And he says the thing just like Matt Walsh, just like other guys on Twitter, that's going to get that bunch of people riled up. But that bunch of people already thought those things. That makes sense. Wow, Ralph, you're you are making some really good points today. So when we rate the podcast at the at, at the end, I don't know what I'm going to have to give you right now because you are making some very strong points here. Um, <laughs> The next start, sick, tart, start, sick, cut topic is um, because since we're going to have much more time off right now without sports, we're going to go fantasy vacation spots. Where are you starting, Ralph? Uh, I'll uh, I'm gonna start. I'm I'm def I'm gonna start uh, Montana. And I know that I just like literally went, but I, I think most people they picture being in the mountains, a river runs through it type deal. They picture that in their mind. To me, that brings peace. That's like uh uh. Walden Pond from from Thoreau like that that's being one with nature that whole thing the air is clean that's a perfect fantasy for people who are homebound that's a perfect fantasy vacation spot right now a lake mountain snow capped uh you never daydream about the mosquitoes you always leave that part out and just cool cool weather nice breeze animals from a safe distance you know don't get gored um but i i think that that's the perfect fantasy mental vacation for the time of covid my fantasy vacation would be at a football game at oregon versus ohio state in september in Alton stadium watching the ducks beat the Buckeyes. That would be my fantasy vacation right now. I would pay money to let that be able to happen. Like I was looking forward to this for 
at least three to four years, Ralph, like circling it on the calendar. So you've entered like a sliding doors moment of like the season gets played and the season doesn't get played. And you have to just let that other reality play out in your mind so you can get to get to game day. Exactly. Exactly. So so in in my fantasy world, the the season is played. None of this covid happened. You know, Tyler Shug under center. You know, throwing a touchdown pass and, you know, being being up, taking a knee up, you know, 31, 31, 21 in the fourth quarter. That's the way that's my that's the fantasy that I'm starting right now. What fantasy are you sitting? Fantasy vacation are you sitting? Well, well, hold on. But my, my whole family is there. My kids, my wife, everybody's jumping up and yelling and screaming and excited. That's the fantasy. Okay. Who are you sit what fantasy vacation are you sitting? Oh, Florida. <laughs> I've never been. Um I mean, I'm, I think I've never been, I got a box of my mom's stuff and she definitely was in like Cape Canaveral in a photo with like a, a space shuttle in the background. And I don't know if she brought me or not. So like the, I, maybe I've been to Florida, but obviously not in, in my consciousness. There's no, but I've always imagined that it'd be fun to go um, hit some beaches and, uh, and, you know, Disney World and, and do all that stuff. And <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and, and sit that that mental fantasy, uh, because not only do I, I deem Florida partially responsible for why we're not having college football and why I have to daydream about going places in the first place. Um, I I also uh, saw that, you know, like 276 people passed away just yesterday and the place sounds like a, a giant um nightmare and and uh you know would not be able to be at peace being <laughs> out and about there so we're sitting uh florida vacations <laughs> dude i am i am sitting texas florida georgia i'm sitting anywhere where they're not wearing masks right right now I don't care where it, I'm sitting all of those places because I'm so frustrated with them because college football was canceled. I know everything is my, I wait, I thought I wasn't that bothered. You, t- you talked yourself into, into it or is it my stress that's bleeding through? I don't know. Like I, I wasn't that upset today, but, but maybe because I have a tendency to compartmentalize. And maybe I just talked myself into my emotions. Like I just walked through this. Like there was a this was a therapeutic podcast. And now I keep when I'm having an opportunity to start sit and cut fantasy vacations, they're all coming back to college football. All right, well, maybe maybe you're just mad in the fantasy. Maybe you just tapped into what your emotions in that fantasy situation of not going to Texas because those people um engaged in some assholery uh then maybe that's what what, maybe it's uh crossover concern maybe george isn't necessarily upset but uh but having to eliminate fantasy vacation version of george is upset 
Yeah, because I like vacation. If you follow my family on Instagram or Twitter, Ralph, do we do we have fun vacations or at least they look fun? Hey, you're smiling at the pictures. <laughs> as we as we tell the kids, hey, 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 you better you better smile, otherwise you're not getting dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so no, so I like vac- vacation, but this is just this is just no wit- bueno, and I'm sitting them. Actually, I probably should have cut them. <laughs> Who are you cutting? What fantasy vacation spots are you cutting? Anywhere that you have to take an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife just uh, had um, has a friend out in North Carolina uh, who works in HR, <laughs> um, so you know. That's a terrible for anybody who's listening to this who works in HR. I'm sorry because you're do, you're doing nothing but like delivering bad news while having to retrain the staff that is left over and and isn't either furloughed or laid off to um to to update their diversity training skill set for how they talk to other people and like it's just it's it's a bad news existence and so she's out there working from home. Um, and so, uh, she's a good friend of ours. She's my wife's best friend was my wife's maid of honor. So you know, she's been out there by herself for the last few months. So my wife flies out to North Carolina last week, spends about eight days with her and just got back. And, um, the, the, the experience of flying just from talking to her on the way out there and on the way back seems like an absolute mess of just an entire, it seems like, you know, back when uh after 9-11 when there was that just nervousness to fly and you'd see people giving each other the side eye and and old ladies racially profiling from their seats it it feels like it's more of that just a general nervousness you want to make sure that you know everybody has their face covered up which is ironic because you know there used to be that suspicion of people who had <laughs> yeah, if you were yeah yeah, yeah exactly. that if you came out in a burqa that that you were dangerous and now it's like hey no you're you're dangerous if your face is not covered up right and then those those old ladies that were racially profiling um you know or like mistaking Sikhs Sikhs? for for people you know from anywhere else in the world you know their their energy has now been dedicated to giving those side eyed stares to uh to people of asian descent and like it, it just it feels very much sort of the same. Like nobody wants to be near each other. Everybody just wants to get it over with. Everybody's got a little bit of extra concern for their safety. Everybody's a little extra judgy. And um, I, you know, I think it took a long, a lot of people a long time to be comfortable with flying again after that whole situation. And after talking to my wife, you know, she paid on the way back to uh, to upgrade just to not have somebody in the middle seat. <laughs> And, um, was her, was her flight full? She had a layover on the way out to Charlotte and on the way to like St. Louis, it had a third. And then the plane from St. Louis to Charlotte was full. And so like, they're starting to sell the whole plane. Uh, these airlines are, and I guess it's just a bunch of people who look really unhappy <laughs> to be there. And so I'm in, I'm all all uh, vacations that involve boarding an aircraft for me um, have have been cut <laughs> from from my my fantasy vacation bank. <laughs> um, I am cutting party destinations. 
like I was a person when I used to travel when I was younger, I would go to places where it was fun to party. Wouldn't like I've been to so many places that have great, you know, historical sites and all of that. And I did not see them because I was too busy trying to party sleep, sleeping all day out all night. <laughs> and it was just a waste of, you know, just a waste of opportunity. And now I'm the complete opposite. I don't care about the party. I want to go do hit all the historical sites, taste the indigenous food from that area and all of that. Because my ideal trip dude, my ideal trip is if I could take like two months and travel around the world, stay in a location for a few days and just eat the best food from that restaurant. Ralph, the only way I would give up this podcast, only way I would give up my, my media career, all of that is if I could have Anthony Bourdain's job, the, the, the late Anthony Bourdain getting a chance to travel around, talk to good people, stay in great hotels and eat food like and then talk about it that is the that is like living the dream and then if i got a chance to talk about sports in the meantime too good god i am i'm not sure i could be any more fulfilled uh in a career path than being able to do that so you you you've left behind the 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 club for the museum yeah, uh, not really the museum. Like, I'm good for some mu- museums, but I want to go see, like, I'm down to, like, go backpacking. I want to go zip lining, but then also in the in the afternoon, go visit the Mayan ruins, go see the, uh, the uh, church that I went to in Italy that was, like, you know, in Fort, that was built in, like, 4 AD. Like, I'm down with that. We got to. We just got to take the podcast on the road. Okay. You need to say. Uh, you, you need a sidekick. We can go. We can go stop to stop. Dude. Expand. Expand the. Expand the subject matter. See, you are. See, you are doing a great thing. With you have been on your health kick. You've lost a bunch of weight, and we. I don't think we would do well together because I think that t- together we would make <laughs> very poor food choices. It's possible. Because I definitely would. Um, oh, um, now I guess it's time for our reviews and the and we do have an email. We do have an email from the the man who sent us a previous email, and now are are we being bullied at this point? Uh I think bullying is about a position of power. And uh, if he, I mean, depending, is he holding a five star review hostage? Because I guess that would be his leverage. That would be his power. So it's it's possible we're get we're getting bullied a little bit. Okay, so would you would you like to read the email? Yes. Uh, okay. This is. Give me one second. I don't want my computer to uh, to die while reading this email. That would just be anticlimactic. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> this is from Soul Cal, who I called Soul Cat um, repeatedly. 
and uh, and I I don't think he liked having his name mispronounced the way that George mispronounces Tyler Shuck's name. All right, here we go. Oh, uh, dude, see? <laughs> see, there you go with the snappy tongue. You just came with a haymaker, Tyler Shuck. <laughs> Shuck. All right. Shuck. All right, here we go. Once more, I drove into work in a rage of pissed offery that I haven't felt since I heard your new segment. Not once, but twice you read my name wrong. There is no soul cat. Take a look above at my email, and it reads, Soul Cow. Cow, you know, like the football team you cover in the North Division. I would expect this from George since he washes dishes while recording. (laughs) But Ralph, quote, be better, unquote. I was going to agree with Ralph as well in regards to the We Are United take of the conference members. Let's get something straight. No one is united. You have a bunch of kids although with a cause that I agree with to an extent, trying to take the conference hostage. We are weeks away from a football season. Oof, I think this email might have been, uh, this was written uh, pre-suspension. This was written on August 8th. This was was a couple days ago, bro. This was literally Oh man, this just brought it all back for me. Now I'm sad again. Uh, (laughs) And you choose to engage now? No chance. Point one, you're only united when you have a gathering of people that are from both the top and bottom, meaning the five-star will get drafted guaranteed, and it's not happening here. Point two, you have to be able to accept both scenarios of whether uh, your cause gets what they ask for or you're left walking away from your team in scholarship. And I just don't see them doing this. If they get close to getting the boot, I can see many of these players leaving these gr- this group and conceding. Point three, if COVID doesn't go rampant, the football season will play on without those players. There's too much to lose for the conference not to play. Lastly, Ralph, (laughs) you said you would choose not to go with my advice because I put too many topics in my last email, correct? Well, you actually did take my advice. I said that the segment was not good because it's about a useless topic. So long as it's football related, I wouldn't care. You guys made the last start, sit, or cut involving football coaches. So thanks. I win. So above all else from this email, I hope you take away two things. Never get my name wrong again and be better. Uh, and that is from our friend Soul Cap, um, who is a uh, apparently a Stanford fan, Did I, if I read this email correctly. Soul Cap? Um, Soul, Soul Calf. Soul. S-O-U-L, like your eternal soul. Soul Cap. Yes. Okay, cool. I, I, yeah. I think we got it right. Okay. Um, Perfect. As far as, and as far as his points about me being right, which is the only thing that I retained. (laughs) um, I have to say, uh, I think he, I I think he nailed it. What? But, uh, okay. I'm not even going to acknowledge that, but, but how about the fact where he said that you, that we actually did what he said and he actually judoed us. Uh, I mean, it, 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 it might not have been as much judo. I think we were just like, yeah, he might, he might be right about this. So <laughs> let's add a sports one. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, hope, hopefully the segment is, is working for people, but if you are upset, feel free, uh, to, to reach out to us and, and we will, we'll read it on air. And hopefully we will pronounce your name correctly. Yes, yeah, Soul 
soul cap, soul calf, something along those lines. I just, yeah, yeah, it's something along those lines. Um, so Ralph, I guess the, the last thing is, is spring football. What are your thoughts on spring football? Does it happen? Is a good, is it a good idea? Because when the season got canceled today, first thing everybody says, well, there's no way spring football is going to going to happen. But these are the same people who begged for optimism about the fall season. You guys have to stop being so negative. Talk about the positive. But all of them now, those same exact people. Oh, spring football's not happening. You might as well forget about it. Nothing's going to change between now and then. I have an idea of how maybe it could work. Um, but you would have to have somebody who's far more intimately involved with hammering out the details of what this would look like. What about one long season? Like eight or nine games in the spring, followed by summer off, followed by coming back and playing eight or nine games, and then a playoff. That is radical. So, like, yeah, you're not going to be able to have two 13-game seasons. You're not going to be able to play 26 games in a in a 52-week year with college kids, but you might be able to play, you know, 16 to 20 if you if you play eight games in the spring, come back, play eight games, and then go into a playoff situation. So not everybody makes a bowl because everybody had two or three more games than they're used to. And then you only count the entire year as one year of eligibility, but it still counts against the clock of when you graduated from high school. So if you're free to leave hmm. to go to go pro. So then you know? how do you account for the rosters being different in the fall than they are in the spring? They can play. So they should be able to play in both. So then the NCAA would if have to allow. somebody graduates in January, they should be eligible for both seasons too. Whatever. So the, ooh. So then you think that the NCAA should grant a waiver essentially for players, for schools to be over their 85 scholarship limit. I think the NCAA should go to its room and suck on its thumb while the everybody else figures this out. And they can stay as far away from ruining this process as possible. That dude, that is a radical idea. And part of me likes it. Like I got a little titillated um hearing that. Are you are you I'm, laughing? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. It's a fun word, titillated. Yeah. So here here was my um proposal, okay? So I went with the eight game schedule because the idea of playing a, a full schedule in the winter and then another full schedule in the fall seems like a health and safety nightmare because players do get hurt. They need times off. They need to rest and recuperate and to have a season that would drag out into March or April and then turn around and then try to play again in September I even if you pushed it back to the end of September, I think is like more than very ambitious. I think it's a little 
negligent. How fun would it be to have official visits to Pullman, Washington in February, though, where the average high is 41 degrees? Exactly. Same thing when they go to Alabama. It's cold in, it's cold in Tuscaloosa in the wintertime, too. People don't realize that. And, you know, I think that that will – you you would actually have SEC teams playing in inclement weather. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder how that will go. Um, how about how about how about getting an official visit to Tempe in during spring break? <laughs> oh, dude, that would that would definitely influence recruiting. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Getting to see all the coeds, yeah that that might actually help out their national recruiting plan. Um, my plan is eight games in the spring. So no non-conference games, all conference games for obviously for the big 12, that's not that big of a deal. Cause you only have 10 teams. So you could only maximum play nine games anyway, but for the, the 12 and eight, and 14 teams conferences, somebody's going to get the short end of the straw like they did when they uh, added the two teams to the conference only schedule for the sec. I would go with an eight team eight game season and then expand the playoffs, the college football playoffs instead of four teams expanded to 16 teams. Now you're going to have a chance to make up significant revenue on an important game. Cause you're going to have probably, you know, mostly eight and no teams or set and then seven, a bunch of seven and one teams. And you put them into a tournament field and see who the champion comes out. I think that's the optimal scenario. What's the most suboptimal scenario? Like what what are we looking at as a the oh as most the worst realistic the, worst case scenario? That there's no spring football. So you think the worst thing that'll happen is they'll just be ready to go in August 2021. That yeah, yeah, that that's the worst case scenario. That means that that has to be worst case scenario, right? What what could be worse? Besides there being no football in 20 for this school year. What could be a worse scenario than that? Uh, that some of these D1 schools have to drop the program altogether. Is that realistic, though? Uh, I don't know. I mean, when you consider that you have to spend all the money that you bring in and a lot of these institutions would qualify for enormous loans and huge lines of credit based on the, the track record of success of college athletics. So you might be able to restart your program if you're at a certain level, but you know, some of these schools, you know, there's been a lot of D2 schools that have just eliminated football altogether. So I'd say the worst case scenario would be, you know, a school like uh, UCLA that was already taken out a loan to as a stopgap for a seventeen million dollar or so debt, now being a hundred and fifty million in the hole. You know, deciding that maybe it's not in our best interest to to bring Dude, back no this way thing that's going to take up. Would. UCLA can't cut football, right? They can't. 
Are you I, still I would there? assume I would assume not. <laughs> I don't know. I just watched every junior college in the state of Arizona dump football. I just watched a bunch of D2 schools do it. Um watching the individual schools like UConn that dropped out of the situation makes me wonder if there's any any schools out there that are just potentially looking to separate themselves from the headache of having to deal with athletics and and um you know that maybe think this whole thing should be privatized anyway yeah but the part of the problem is that donations and all of that stuff go up when your team is good yeah like the bottom line of the school is affected um i don't maybe there's schools out there that look at gonzaga and they're jealous you know that they only have basketball to worry about. I don't know. I don't know how it works. To me, that would be the worst case scenario is that programs just drop out of, of being able to house this all together. And even if to me, it would be massively tragic, even if it happened at a much lower level, like if it was like a New Mexico state or, you know, Colorado Pueblo or the, the D all the D two schools in the, in the RMAC or in Minnesota or stuff like that, any of that would be devastating to me because it would just be, you know, that one piece of the the uh, the iceberg that chipped away into the ocean, melted away, never to be seen again. You know, it just it just kind of reminds you of of the fact that like this is all temporary and it's all sort of hanging on by a thread. And so I want to see everybody hang in there. The worst case scenario to me is is uh, a school just having football taken away completely. Yeah, and I think that you know there are a lot of people who we named in start, sit, cut, who believe that the NFL season is just going to go off and just going to be just fine and that the MLB is going to finish. And I'm like, no, the MLB is already considering going to a bubble for their playoffs, which they should have done for the regular season. The St. Louis Cardinals haven't played a game since July 29th. And they're not even sure exactly when they're going to play again. So, yeah. So all of this is just very speculative and, you know, we will see about the future. Um, Thank you guys, though, for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles podcast. We appreciate your time, appreciate your energy. And uh, but Ralph, when it comes to ratings, obviously, we, I want people to give us a five star rating. How would you rate this podcast today? Um, I, I feel pretty good about this one just because you and I talked multiple times on the phone today before we hit record and I wasn't much for words on any of those. So I, I wasn't thinking that I was going to have anything to say or even be able to talk. I did a radio interview earlier today um, for a, a, a Fox Sports station down here and it was it was a mess. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, the, the, the fact that we were able to even get up and go for this, uh, I'm, I'm proud of that. See, you talked yourself through it. So how so how many stars would you give this podcast? No, we'll go, we'll go we'll make it a, a five star effort for considering there is no considering the subject of our podcast doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so and how would you break up those five stars? Oh man, I hate this segment so much. We'll go three, two. I'll give you three. I, didn't, I don't think I brought anything new to the table and I invoked the president's name, which is probably going to make people stop listening to us either because they don't want to hear because it wasn't harsh enough or or there's they want to say stick to sports. Um, 
even though the president was on Clay Travis on a show sports show today, repeatedly tweeted, "Let's play college football um, all week." Uh, but yeah, um, so since 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 all of the uh, the po- the political anger is probably going to be directed my way this time, uh, we'll we'll go three two you. Oh, see, I don't think that I'm, I would go three to you. I think that that you sucked it up, that you, you know, went through your harsh feelings, you know, in your bad, bad mood, even though that you were a little chippy at times. I thought that you came with some fair arguments. I think you're still dead ass wrong about the, the we, we are united thing. But you put up a very valiant effort and brought a lot of good energy, despite you know, being, you know, having a college football funeral and being very, very sad. And you were the person crying at the, at the wake, you know, like trying to get in the in the college football casket. And I was the person, you know, you know, when uh, we get back to the house and everybody's talking and they're, they're playing some music. And I was the guy, you know, just kind of going on a about his business and everybody's upset because they're like why isn't he sad enough that was me so i'm giving you three stars on this five star podcast well thank you guys for listening we appreciate it as don corn wait is it don cornelius who would say god god bless good night no 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 that's russell simmons at the, <laughs> at the end of deaf comedy jam so thanks for coming god bless good night